Welcome and thank you for joining us on Inside Bend, a podcast where you'll get an inside look at the city of Bend from the people who keep our city running. You'll hear about the innovative ways our local government is responding to our community's needs and helping shape Bend's future. I'm your host, Jacob Larson. On this episode of Inside Bend, we take a closer look at the core area. In 2019, the city started the process of creating a common vision and implementing a plan to invest in this area in the center of town. The city is using urban renewal and tax increment financing to strategically invest in infrastructure projects, housing, open space facilities, and much more. Allison Platt, the core area project manager, is here to explain the future of this area of town and just why it's so important that we continue to put an emphasis on smart growth, creating areas where community members can live, work, and play. Okay, let's start our conversation now. Okay, today on the podcast, I am joined by Allison Platt. She is the core area project manager here at the City of Bend. Allison, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Of course, of course. Um, it's kind of in your title. We're here to talk about the core area and the development that's happening in that area of town. But I always like to start these off by asking you a little bit about yourself. So um, how long have you been here at the City of Bend? I'm approaching almost five years at the City of Bend. Awesome. And have you always been in this position or is this a relatively new position for you? This is a relatively new position, but I've essentially been working on the core area since I started at the city. So I actually was hired as a senior planner in our long range planning group called our growth management Mm -hmm. team. And I worked um, on a lot of kind of big planning studies to implement our growth plans that we had adopted in 2016. Um, so I, I worked in my previous role on kind of setting up the area that I now oversee and implement. Um, maybe we should take a step back here for a second too. Where is the core area located? Yeah, it's kind of a funky shape, um, <laughs> but it, it really kind of the heart of the core area is really between Revere Avenue to the north, although it also includes Division Street kind of up to the Butler Market um, intersection, but really kind of Revere down to Wilson Avenue and primarily along the Third Street corridor and in between kind of the railroad and Fourth Street. So the railroad to the east side and Fourth Street to the west side, but it does include portions um, near kind of downtown and then that whole brownfield site across from Crux Brewery. Um, so that is a 23-acre site that has been zoned to allow for six- to seven-story buildings um, with a mixture of commercial and residential uses that's really intended to kind of be um, a, a new downtown area, essentially. Um, so that kind of leads to my next question is kind of like, what is happening? What's kind of the, the, the vision for the core area? You kind of just touched on it with the, the development that we're seeing, but... Um, what's what's the dream for the types of buildings that we're going to see? Yeah, when we had we had a citizen advisory board that really led the the goals, you know, that really established goals for the core area. So the core area has some guiding principles, and the first guiding principle is that the core area becomes a place where people can live, work, and play. Um, and so, kind of, you know, our downtown has some housing, but primarily our downtown today is a is commercial uses, it's office, it's retail. Um, the intent for the core area is to be a place where there's you know, both commercial uses, but also housing. And I'd say the biggest goal of the core area today is to increase housing supply in the center of town. 
Um, after that, the, the goal is really to be a walkable area that people can um, use a lot of different modes to travel through. Um, so to kind of move away from being a really car-dependent part of the town to a very walkable kind of mixed-use area where you could access a lot of the goods and services that you need by foot or by bike. Why, why is the city investing in this area? Why is it important that we um, put money towards this area of town? I mean, it's the center of town, right? So the is particularly the Bend Central District, um, and like where Hawthorne Transit Station and the Safeway is on Third Street. That's a ten minute walk to downtown, um, but a lot of people don't walk there, right, from downtown, or don't think about that being close to downtown because of a lot of key uh, transportation barriers: you know, Greenwood, Third Street. Franklin, there's not a lot of safe crossing opportunities for pedestrians or bicyclists today. And so it doesn't have that feel that it's right next to downtown, but it really is um, right downtown. And I think as Ben grows, you know, it's kind of arguable. I think we might have a smaller downtown than a lot of cities our size or cities that are are growing as fast as we are. And so really seeing as we grow over time, the extension of our downtown is also going to need to grow. And this is the area that we've identified that to happen. And, you know, it's not just me when I started this role of when we identified that. This area has been identified for that growth since, you know, a central area plan that was done in like 2004. It's been identified for a very long time that this would be the area that Bend would grow up over time. It has great views of the mountains. You know, it's really that central location. And as part of our growth plans, too, and our um, commitment to the state to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions, part of that is reducing our vehicle miles traveled per capita. And this is because it's the center of town. When we add housing and a mix of uses in the center of town, it has the biggest ability to impact our vehicle miles traveled per capita reductions. There's a lot of good things happening there. It's um, all very positive. Um, one thing that I, I um, wanted to touch on, and, and you kind of touched on it, was that idea of um, safe crossings um, from the core area to downtown. Um, there is the Midtown Crossing Project, which is um, starting up here. Um, what what can you tell me about that and how that will play into the core area? Yeah, and it's kind of perfect timing to talk about this since we just um, discussed that project with council last week. And i Kind of one of the had one of those weeks where you like wake up in the morning and you're like, I'm so excited about work, right? Because you're like you've worked on something for so long and you finally kind of get direction on a huge part of a project that's going to make a really big difference and impact to our community. And that's kind of the week that I feel like I'm coming off of. So um, we have we initiated a feasibility study. Our engineering department initiated a feasibility study about a year ago to look at what's possible for making improvements to the Greenwood undercrossing or the Franklin undercrossing. So those are two existing um, undercrossings that are there today that aren't the most comfortable facilities, I think, for anybody that's walked or biked underneath those, in particular for pedestrians and bicyclists. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not they're not super accommodating or welcoming. Mm-hmm. And so we've been looking at kind of what is feasible to improve either those or because those structures um, both go under an ODOT, uh, you know, the high, the parkway, the US-97 parkway, so an ODOT structure, as well as a railroad structure. Um, they're really difficult to coordinate, you know, it's difficult to coordinate with those agencies on assets that they own. And so we've also looked at, is it is it actually less expensive or less cumbersome to build a new 
overcrossing at Hawthorne Crossing or Hawthorne Avenue. And so we've been kind of exploring the feasibility of improvements at all three of those locations, both to the two existing undercrossings as well as the Hawthorne Overcrossing and made a lot of progress with a consultant team, um, KPFF, who did a lot of analysis into what's kind of feasible there. And we just provided an update to city council on, okay, here's the options. We've vetted some of these options with the community. We've run them through an evaluation criteria. And we've also looked at what are the corridor improvement needs to actually get to these crossings. Um, And finally got some direction from council because um, improving all three of the crossings is more expensive than funding that we have available today. So they actually gave us direction kind of based on the funds that we have available to, to test out a pilot project on Greenwood Avenue um, and to initiate kind of a test road diet on Greenwood so that we can implement some um, enhanced kind of pedestrian and bicycle connections there with the limited right-of-way that we have today. So repurposing um, some of the lanes and kind of moving from a four-lane uh, cross-section or, you know, four lanes of roadway down to three lanes. So there would be kind of two travel lanes with a centered turn lane to make um, turning movements and providing kind of more of a a pathway for pedestrians and bicyclists that would be protected. Um, So we're going to be starting to explore that and then putting around $11 million into improvements at the Franklin corridor and crossing. So we can't actually do a lot of changes to the structure of the Franklin crossing because – it gets really expensive as soon as we start touching some of those facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can do a lot to improve the ent- you know, the entryways and the access to the existing tunnel as well as the corridor. So we're going to be looking at that corridor for improvements um, starting design in early 2023 and then hopefully getting into construction in 2024 um, with a completion of that project by 2026. Um, again, led by our, by our engineering group and our engineering department. Um, so that's a really exciting yeah. um, project. I think I, you know, I used to live on the east side, and I used to bike that corridor every day to get home. And I think any improvement to to that corridor will make a huge difference. There's also a lot of um, anticipated developments that may move forward on that corridor that would provide housing in particular. And so I really see that as being a huge catalyst to kind of supporting some of those uh, developers who. You know, that area isn't exactly the number one area in town that people are, like, you know, raising their hands to put housing there. I think there's a lot of risk associated with those projects, and so I think this provides a lot more um, assurances to the private market that, you know, the city is going to invest in this area, and, like, it's, you know, we want to see you invest here, too. Um, we We all have skin in the game now. After improving the Franklin Corridor and kind of doing that quick build to Greenwood, we are preserving the remaining funds of Midtown Crossings, which is just over $10 million um, to be used for the Hawthorne Overcrossing. That was actually um, the project that scored the best out of our evaluation criteria as part of that feasibility study. Um, And we think it would provide a lot of benefits um, to the community and is um, a pretty expensive project, but not quite as expensive as we maybe thought it could be. Um, And so we're actually seeking grant applications to try to to try to finance the rest of the funding gap for that important project. Um, And we have a $12.3 million federal request for that project right now that we'll hear about in early February. Definitely. And just so people kind of understand too, that um, Midtown Crossings project at Hawthorne, um, that's supposed to be an overcrossing, so a bridge over the railroad and the parkway. Yes. 
Yeah, and it, it would be very visible from the parkway. It would really be, you know, the community has really identified that they want that to be an iconic structure mm-hmm. um, and, you know, to really symbolize this connection between East and West Bend. You know, the city's been making a lot of strides and in investments towards improving, you know, I think people see the West Side as being a lot more walkable, a lot more bikeable, um, you know, with more of those services, restaurants that are easily accessible on the West side. And we're doing a lot of work to kind of make East Bend also have complete communities, complete neighborhoods, and really filling some of those, you know, pedestrian and bicycle gaps so that there isn't this huge disparity between East and West Bend. And I really see this bridge as being kind of that iconic structure that really symbolizes that connection between East and West Bend. And so we have looked at kind of how do we, um, you know, the feasibility study looked at how do we provide an iconic structure for that Hawthorne over- overcrossing. And we have some pretty cool renderings. It's no guarantee that that's exactly what we build. But we did um, look at a structure that could support kind of a iconic three sister um, ode to the three sisters, basically. So the structure itself actually looks like the three sister mountains. Um, so we think that, that that would be a feasible bridge structure to to build. Because we're in such a housing crisis, I mean, is there a big emphasis being put on um, creating more housing opportunities for people? And also, is there an emphasis being put on affordable housing opportunities in the core area? Yeah, and that's one of the really cool things with tax increment financing mm-hmm. is we can actually partner with developers on projects and incentivize them to incorporate more public benefits into their project than they may have been able to otherwise. And so we've actually um, recently adopted a new tax exemption program that's really an incentive program to try to get developers to incorporate more public benefits into their projects, including affordable housing um, or middle-income housing. And then we are looking at, um, you know, TIF can actually be another kind of grant program or loan program that we can provide to projects to try to get them to incorporate affordable or middle-income housing as well. Something I kind of wanted to switch gears to, um, you recently also, you said you had a big week last week. It was really exciting. Um, You also talked to the Core Area Advisory Board, um, which they're kind of helping um, vision and push forward the future of the Core Area. Um, What did you kind of hear from them as far as how some of the funding might be spent as we move forward here? Yeah, so we've sort of been estimating that between 2023, to 2028, we'll have about $10 million of funding capacity from the tax increment financing revenues that we're generating to invest in the district. And so uh, we have always sort of earmarked $6 million of those to go towards those Midtown Crossings improvements. So once we were able to receive council direction on Wednesday about how to kind of prioritize those $6 million, um, the Core Area Advisory Board was really able to make decisions about how they wanted to um, prioritize the rest of the funds that they would have available. And so they directed staff to um, look at improving 2nd Street from Greenwood to Franklin Avenue. And we're currently exploring how could we couple that with the Franklin Corridor improvements. Um, and so we're you know, actively having com- conversations with our engineering department about, hey, can you add you know, 2nd Street from Greenwood to Franklin and improvements to 2nd Street, you know, the design and construction of that um, to your Franklin Corridor project, or do we want to run that as a separate project, right? And so we're actively having conversations, but the biggest thing is that we'll be dedicating about $2.5 million of core area funds um, to invest in that that corridor over the next five years as well. So, you know, I think those improvements to Franklin and 2nd are going to be a really huge shift for that area um, and really just change the look and feel 
of that part of town. What are some of the challenges you feel like you might face? I do think that one of the you know key concerns that the community has voiced is the fear of displacement, gentrification. And so, um, you know, we heard that in the planning process and it's definitely something to be mindful of anytime you're working with an urban renewal or a tax increment financing district. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of history of how urban renewal has been used um, destructively for some communities in the past. And we really want to be intentional about avoiding those outcomes here in Bend. And so, you know, I think one of the core area guiding principles is that affordability is preserved. And I do see that being one of the hardest guiding principles to meet moving forward. But we have been at least trying to do a lot more intentional outreach, particularly with Latino owned businesses in the core area, kind of as a starting step um, to develop better relationships with those owners, those business owners. And just kind of, you know, make sure that they're involved in the change that might come in the core area and that they have access to any programs that are developed as part of, you know, core area assistance programs. Um, I actually hired a consultant that's a locally based Latina to help me do some outreach with core area Latino owned businesses. And we've been able to establish relationships with at least five to six businesses in the core area. We think that the core area has a stronger um, you know, higher concentration of minority and women-owned businesses because it has, right, like more affordable uh, lease rates at this time. And we want to make sure that we are developing relationships with businesses that may be the most vulnerable to displacement and, um, you know, change moving forward so that they are considered and incorporated into the process. And so that as the core area changes and grows, that they have a place um, in the core area in the future. And there isn't like one perfect silver bullet and we can't make, you know, just like promises that people won't um, be affected by those changes. But I think that the the first step is just establishing those relationships and building trust um, because some of those businesses, their goal is to expand and grow out of their current core area location. And I think just being more mindful of like what is the actual intention and impact of some of the policies and programs that we're creating is really important. For sure. For sure. That's great. Um, any particular projects you're excited about in the core area? Um, there, I've heard that there might be a seven story building coming. There's talk of, you know, growing up, not out, which is something that the city is really focused on. Yeah. I mean, I think there's kind of two main sections of the core area. Um, one of them being the Bend Central District closer to kind of the second street, third street corridor. And then the other kind of main portion is what we refer to internally as Corpine, okay. um, which is really close to the Box Factory, Crux Brewery. Um, Crux is actually, in, you know, kind of in the Corpine Opportunity Area. But there's several developments that are being planned in that Corpine Opportunity Area, um, you know, right by... I guess, you know, right by Crux is essentially kind of the, <laughs> the deal. So um, one site in particular uh, where the current Spoken Moto is, you know, unfortunately um, Spoken Moto is going to have to move from its current location, but they're the group that has owned that site for a long time that also owns the box factory is looking to redevelop that five-acre site with 312 residential units in a seven-story building with um, you know, 18,000 square feet of commercial. So it'll kind of be like a box factory uh, plus, you know, six stories of residential up above, which is, you know, Ben's first seven-story building. Um, so that project just received land use approvals, and they are moving forward, uh, getting ready to develop that site, which will be a huge shift um, right across the street from that. Uh, we're starting to have 
you know, active conversations with the development group that purchased the large 23-acre site across from there. Um, they will be coming in for a master plan application for that site soon, which will go through hearings with the Planning Commission and City Council about kind of what that site will look at, um, but also looking at pretty intense development of that area, six to seven story building. So that will be a kind of a huge shift and change for Bend, but a really exciting opportunity to provide a lot more housing opportunities in the center of Bend. Um, are there opportunities for people to get involved? Um, how, how should they go about doing that as these projects roll out? Yeah, we require all applications like that to host neighborhood meetings. Mm-hmm. So they contact their local neighborhood associations to notify them. But I think really working with your neighborhood association um, boards is one of the best ways to really you know, get involved strategically on some of those applications. And then, of course, um, you know, submitting comments to the Planning Commission and City Council through those hearings. What's kind of the timeline? What are we looking at as far as like when we'll start seeing some new, you know, buildings and, and that sort of stuff pop up in the core area? I think 2026 will be a really big year for the core area when some of these projects actually start to um, come to completion, open their doors, um, you know, and that's assuming kind of things go well. You know, we're definitely... Uh, seeing market dynamics change pretty rapidly. And so, you, you know, you never know yep. exactly what's going to happen. But, you know, assuming things kind of continue to progress at the at the rate that they're progressing, I think we'll see a lot of projects and construction projects, both kind of city-led transportation construction projects, as well as private development construction projects, um, kind of the first doors opening 2026. So I think that will be a big year for the core area. Um, I always like to ask at the end here, like, what keeps you going? Why do you enjoy this job so much? What makes you want to come into work every day? And I think what drives me the most now is I feel like the work I do is really connected to trying to solve our community's housing crisis. Um, you know, I kind of came into planning more from an environmental lens. Um, I studied environmental planning and then kind of went into land use as an outlet, right, to you know, one of the mechanisms that we have to kind of change our built environment for the for the better. But I think now that's that's what drives me the most is being able to just be a part of the, you know, providing more housing options for people at Bend. I think that that's one of the biggest um, problems that our community is facing today, right? Businesses are feeling it. Fr- friends are feeling it. They can't find places to rent. You know, thinking about even like my mom and dad, if I wanted them to move here, like where would they live and where could they afford? And um, part of keeping Bend an affordable place is is that it continues to grow and that there's more housing supply and housing options for people who want to stay and live in Bend. And so I really see kind of the work that I do being really key to providing more housing options. And I think it's kind of like a funny transition, right, to kind of go from like the environmental um, save the world perspective to like pro-development housing perspective, but I really see them being connected in a lot of ways and they're not so, right, like polar opposite. Um, but that's probably what drives me the most personally and why I want to come to work. Awesome. That's great to hear. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. A big thank you to Allison for being our guest on the podcast this month. Allison is the staff liaison for the Core Area Advisory Board. The Core Area Advisory Board is currently developing priorities for how to leverage Core Area tax increment revenues in the next five years. Their priorities include Midtown Crossings and the Second Street Corridor between Greenwood and Franklin Avenues. 
They will make recommendations for a draft capital improvement plan for the Bend Urban Renewal Agency to consider adopting at their December 7th meeting. If you'd like to learn more about the core area and stay informed on what's happening, head to bendoregon.gov slash core area. Thank you for tuning in to Inside Bend. If you enjoy listening, don't forget to subscribe and you can check back each month for new episodes. And also a very special thank you to the Pitchfork Revolution for providing us with this music. Thank you.